This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton Global Youth Program. Welcome to Future of the Business World, the podcast that brings you innovation and inspiration through the stories of teenage entrepreneurs. I'm Diana Drake of the Wharton Global Youth Program at the Wharton School, University of Pennsylvania. Each month, I have the pleasure of interviewing tomorrow's business leaders, youth from across the U.S. and beyond, who are eager to share their energy and their ideas. Today's conversation takes us to Southeast Asia. Jahun In is a social entrepreneur from Singapore with a mission to help the migrant worker community through sustainability and social equity. We caught up with Jahun, a recent high school grad, during a brief break from his mandatory military service, which lasts a couple years in Singapore. Jahung, so glad you could join us on Future of the Business World. Thank you for having me. Your project, Grains for Migrants, focuses on improving access to nutritious food among the migrant worker community in Singapore. Can you help us understand that migrant community? Who are they and what challenges they face? So the demographic that we're looking at are low-wage migrant workers, who came from South and East Asian countries like India, Bangladesh, Myanmar, and China. And typically, they work in construction, marine shipyard, and process industries in Singapore. And there are about 300,000 of them in Singapore, which is quite substantial, considering that Singapore only has a population of around 5.5 million. And a bit about their financial background. Most of them earned monthly salaries of 800 USD or less, and they work 12-hour shifts from dawn to dusk, doing intense manual labor. And one of the main challenges that these migrant workers face is that their nutritional needs are often neglected and they're limited to poor quality catered meals that's delivered to construction sites and dormitories. These meals are supplied by low-cost catering services that prepare thousands of meals, often hours in advance, with little regard for the nutritional content of the meals. And this hampers migrant workers' long-term well-being. But despite such substandard food, migrant workers lack the economic means to afford alternative foods that are nutritious and tasty and also fall within their budget. Another key piece of your equation is the process of cosmetic filtering with produce. What is that exactly? Can you help us understand that term? Well, cosmetic filtering occurs at every stage of the food production process in farms, wholesale wet markets, supermarkets, and to homes where food that looks ugly, damaged, or less imperfect, according to the market, or personal standards are discarded, even though it's edible. So in Singapore, this is a really prevalent problem. Wholesalers of fresh produce spend dust to dawn trimming, preening, and discarding ugly fruits and vegetables in order to present to hawkers and wet market sellers the most pristine and aesthetic fruits and vegetables. And the criteria is really stringent. Fruits and vegetables must be free of pest marks, in the right shade of color and shape. So it's no wonder that more than 30,000 kilograms of blemished fruits and vegetables are thrown away each day at such wholesale markets because they're not meeting the mark. And in 2019 alone, more than 744,000 tons of food was wasted in Singapore, of which more than 30% is discarded through the process of cosmetic filtering. Wow, that's a big number. But the food is totally edible, correct? So your plan with Grains for Migrants is to repurpose fresh produce rejected by cosmetic filtering. How did you come up with this idea? And and what's your vision for, for your socially driven venture? Tell us more about it. Well, most people would see food waste due to cosmetic filtering as an environmental issue. 
and the welfare of migrant workers as a socioeconomic issue, and never twain shall meet. But I see it differently. While Singapore is consistently ranked as one of the most food secure nations in the world, but paradoxically, the underserved migrant worker community continues to face numerous obstacles in impeding their access to nutritious foods and other resources to live healthy, active lives. So I really believe that such inequity is not only a reflection of systemic weaknesses, but also a manifestation of social injustices that must be addressed. Therefore, I see Grains for Migrants as an avenue to integrate sustainability and social equity through entrepreneurial efforts. And creating social impact through entrepreneurship is just one of the many ways that we can do to help in this effort. And I believe that discovering innovative solutions can have an outsized influence on the ability to solve our pressing problems today. Can you get into some details about how Grains for Migrants actually works? So we have a three-stage process. The first one, as I mentioned earlier, is that we are taking these ugly discarded food from wholesalers and we move these foods into a centralized kitchen where we have professional nutritionists, chefs design, designing curated menus for our migrant workers. And once these meals are created, you know, turned from ugly food, discarded ingredients into nutritious meals, we then send these meals to the migrant workers' dormitories and construction sites for their consumption. And throughout this process, there is no additional cost because the food is going to be thrown away anyway. And we are simply taking these discarded food and turning them to nutritious meals for our migrant workers. So though you've had kind of this comprehensive vision for grains for migrants, COVID has interfered with implementation, um, but still you've been doing a lot of market research by volunteering with migrant nonprofit groups. How have these experiences helped to shape your awareness of the issues and maybe helped you become more empathetic to the plight of migrant workers? Can you talk a little bit about that? The migrant worker community in Singapore are rather disadvantaged because they are non-citizens. They do not qualify for various financial schemes, even though their income technically falls in the bottom 5 to 10% of all Singapore households. And I think what struck me the most was when I volunteered as a food assistant at a market bazaar. So I was in charge of the fresh produce booth where I handed out apples, bananas, and oranges. And what I realized was amongst all the things that the bazaar had to offer, from clothes to pots and pans to um, tidbits, they were the most interested in the fresh produce section. And I met one such migrant worker, Arjun. He shyly asked me if he could have more apples and oranges so he could save it for the next day. And he explained to me that they do not get much fresh fruits and vegetables as part of their meals. And he doesn't have the means to fork out extra money to buy them at markets. And of course, I obliged and I gave him extra oranges and apples. And he beamed with joy. But this experience also broke my heart. Because I really felt very sad that he had to ask me in such a shy and timid way. When I believed that having access to nutritious foods and vegetables are an inalienable right to anybody. Not just because he's a migrant worker, he deserves less. And this experience also opened my eyes to the realities faced by the migrant worker community in that they do not have sufficient access to nutritious food. And I was determined to change that. And that was why I started Grains for Migrants. So Grains for Migrants will have an app 
technological aspect to it, correct? And one thing um, you learned a little bit about when you were kind of immersed in the migrant community was digital inclusion. Can you talk about that and kind of how you're thinking about it as you develop your technology? I think an important part of any project is to relook at how we can harness the power of technology to enhance our solution. So one of the biggest qualms that migrant workers have is that they simply have no outlet to feedback on the quality of their food. And that is also the reason why these caterers get away with providing such substandard food, simply because they have no avenue to actually give feedback and provide the necessary um, comments about the poor quality itself. So what Green for Migrants really wishes to do is that we want to make a technology platform, a mobile app, so that our migrant workers can actually provide feedback on each meal that they have. So if they do not like the taste or the ingredients used, they can provide the feedback and this will directly go to the chefs and nutritionists who designed and planned these menus. So I think this is a really great process that really enhances the current system where the migrant workers do not have any say in what they eat. So I really hope that this will enable a bi-directional flow of um, information where it's not just the kitchen who are preparing the food, but also migrant workers having a say in what they want to see. And obviously being included, hence the digital inclusion, right? Yeah, so I think that is really it. So can you tell me a little bit about the startup ecosystem in Singapore and how you feel it can support and advance your Grains for Migrants project? Well, there are many meaningful startups that deal with migrant worker welfare. For example, TWC2, is raining raincoats, humanitarian organizations for migration economics. And I volunteer with these organizations and they are really meaningful interactions that I hold dear to my heart. At the same time, there are also many organizations that deal with sustainability initiatives. For example, Food Bank Singapore and SG Food Rescue. And while these organizations are really great at their individual domains, there lacks an organization that connects these two domains together. And for migrant workers to enjoy improved access to nutritious food, we need an organizations that's able to bridge both aspects. And that is the reason why Grains for Migrants really emphasizes on leveraging partnerships. Firstly, it will be important to tap on the migrant worker networks that many of these startups in the migrant worker welfare space shares. And on the other hand, the logistical expertise of food banks will be important in order to have a successful implementation in the later stages. And that is the reason why Greens for Migrants really focuses on leveraging partnerships. I was struck by your story because you clearly have passion and purpose for your social enterprise. And at the same time, COVID, as well as your personal obligations, are impeding your ability to move quickly. Professor Angela Duckworth here at Penn would say you need major grit to persevere and to push through obstacles. Have you been able to do that? I mean, how have you been able to kind of sustain your interest in this? I know you started in high school a couple months ago, putting this together. Have you really been able to hang on because of the passion that you have? Yeah, so enlisting in the military for national service has definitely been very challenging because a big part of becoming a soldier is physical training. So it could really go from Mondays to Fridays, rolling in the mud, go five days without showering the tropical heat, to you know the weekends where I'm really working on the social enterprises that I'm really passionate about. 
And I think the disruptive scheduling is also really challenging because usually uh, we only get the weekends off. So it's most likely very difficult to do things on the weekdays. But I think, I think the whole experience of being a soldier and enlisting in the military has really allowed me to recognize my privilege in that I'm so fortunate in so many different ways. When working with the migrant worker community, I see them making personal sacrifices, leaving their hometowns in order to create a better future for themselves and their families. And for myself, I've had the privilege to go through education and I will be attending university in the next year after, in the next few years after I finish my military service. And that is the moment where I realized that I must take all that I've been given by society, all the resources that I've received, all the great education that I've had, and turn it into something that can actually create tangible social impact that helps the communities who are not so fortunate. And I think the process has also emphasized on the mantra of making the most of what you have. The weekdays will be spent on serving as a dutiful soldier, and the weekends working on social enterprises and seeing through it to its implementation. Yeah, it sounds like a really interesting balance. So you mentioned university. That would be 2024 that you would go, right? What do you see for the future of Grains for Migrants? Are you going to be able to pursue it and continue to work on it? It seems like you definitely have purpose and want to do so. So I think in the short term, I think COVID-19 restrictions have loosened up in recent months. So I'll definitely be prioritizing implementation in the next six to 12 months. And I think one of the things I'll really be pushing for in the next six to 12 months will be collaboration with other migrant worker NGOs and nonprofits I've mentioned earlier, and also to really establish partnerships with key government agencies that oversee local food systems, such as the Singapore Food Agency, as well as the Ministry of Manpower who look after migrant worker welfare. There's also an abundance of sustainability grants in Singapore right now, where the government is encouraging youths as well as entrepreneurs to actually come up with innovative ideas that can transform food waste, reduce food waste, and create social good. So that will be the short-term plan. And the long-term, I really hope that we can expand into other migrant worker groups. Because as I mentioned, the group that we're focusing right now are mainly those who work in construction, marine shipyard, and process industries. But there are other groups of migrant workers, such as foreign domestic workers, who are also facing similar troubles in regards to access to nutritious food, although not on the same scale as the group that we're targeting right now. So eventually, I hope that we are able to expand to a team where we are large enough and well-established enough to expand to serving other migrant worker groups. And hopefully, when I enter university, I'm also be able to take it a step further. If I go overseas, I'll be able to bring this project and this concept to the college community that I'm part of. And I think that will be a great idea to involve all my peers who will then be finished with their military service and we can all join this venture together. So one of the questions I like to ask all the guests on our show is if you could change one thing in the world, what would it be? I think one thing that I would change is to change the mindset that building businesses is about maximizing profits. Because I believe that businesses should be used in a way that creates social good through sustained impact on the community. And I really hope that the use of tomorrow will be, be all more aware of the needs in our community and be able to rise up to the challenge to tackle it as we can. 
Let's wrap up with our lightning round. Try to answer these questions as quickly as you can. What is the best advice you've received as an entrepreneur? I heard this from my mentor and he told me, there will be obstacles, there will be doubters, there will be mistakes, but with hard work, there are no limits. The biggest mistake you've ever made and what you learned? I think that will be prioritizing short-term results over long-term growth. And I think a few years back, I've always wanted to rush into the process of implementation without working out the why and the how. And that has really caused a lot of chaos and trouble afterwards. And I really learned from those lessons and especially an emphasis on the importance of consistent effort and patience to create something that's truly valuable. What is the next thing you're excited to learn that you don't yet understand? The metaverse and its impact on political, economic, and social institutions. Finish this sentence. High school prepared me for... An interdisciplinary approach in bridging differences to find common ground for collaborations. Something about you that would surprise us. I'm actually fluent in both English and Mandarin, and bilingualism and biculturalism is a huge part of my identity. I'm also actively involved in the arts and culture scene, and I've served as an exhibition curator and play director. If you could take one business person to lunch, who would it be and why? I'll probably say Bill Drayton, because he's one of the founding fathers of social entrepreneurship. And I think he's really dedicated to finding and fostering social entrepreneurs worldwide, with a particular focus on youth leadership and empowerment. And I really believe that the youth are the future of the business world. So I really hope to meet him and learn from his experiences in cultivating such a business environment. Zhang Hong, I really wish you luck with Grains for Migrants. Thank you for joining us on Future of the Business World. Thank you, Diana, for having me. Discover more opportunities for high school students and educators at globalyouth.wharton.upenn.edu.